coming up next on Abounding Grace. Imagine having to wait six years. And I have to say, I would say, you know, waiting six years or 60 years, it's really the same. You end up waiting what? One day at a time. Well, we can look back at all the days that have been uh, accumulated, but waiting six days, six weeks, six months, six years, 60 years, it's all the same. You're learning to abide in Christ in the moment because you're abiding in Christ, waiting what? In hope. And so you're not thinking, well, I have to wait six years, 60 years. You're just simply waiting. God, I wait on you. This is amazing grace. So how are you with waiting, friend? Let's say the line at the grocery store is five or six people. How about traffic slows down big time and you're just sitting around for a half hour? If you're like most, you grow impatient and maybe even angry. But today on Abounding Grace, we learn a valuable life lesson. While we're waiting, God is working. That comes shining through in 2 Kings 11. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor to tell us about it. Back to 2 Kings 11, because Athaliah here is a wicked woman trying to take the place of leadership in God's, over God's people. That's where we are. And this Joash is taken and hidden away for six years. Notice verse 4. In the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of hundreds, the bodyguards and escorts, and brought them into the house of the Lord to him. And he made a covenant with them and took an oath from them in the house of the Lord, showed them the king's son. Then he commanded them, saying, This is what you shall do. One third of you come on duty on the Sabbath, shall be keeping watch over the king's house. Verse 6. One third shall be at the gate of Sir, and one third shall be uh, behind the escorts at the gate. You shall keep the watch of the house, lest it be broken down. The two contingents of you who go off duty on the Sabbath shall keep watch of the house of the Lord for the king. But you shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapons in his hand, and whoever comes within range, let him be put to death. You are to be with the king as he goes out and he comes in. Verse 9. So the captains of the hundreds did according to all Jehoiada the priest commanded. Each of them took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada the priest. And the priest gave the captains of hundreds the spears, shields, and it belonged to King David that were in the temple of the Lord. Then the escorts stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, all around the king from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple by the altar of the temple. And he brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, and gave him the testimony or the law. And they made him king and anointed him, and they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. So now six years of waiting... Six years now have passed, and it's time to act. And can you imagine for a moment having to wait six years? It's not an easy thing to wait, is it? It's not an easy thing to wait six minutes. Uh, and you go, well, I can think I can wait six minutes. Okay, well, next time you're at a fast food joint, and it takes them six minutes to get your food, we'll just see how, and you're in a hurry. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't, we gotta go, we gotta, dude, it's been five minutes. 
Let him cook something fresh for you anyway. Just take your time. But we don't, we, we, we don't want to wait for fast food. We don't want to wait for the microwave. We don't want to wait for anything. Imagine having to wait six years. And I have to say, I would say, you know, waiting six years or 60 years, it's really the same. You end up waiting what? One day at a time. Well, we can look back at all the days that have been uh, accumulated, but waiting six days, six weeks, six months, six years, 60 years, it's all the same. You're learning to abide in Christ in the moment because you're abiding in Christ, waiting what? In hope. And so you're not thinking, well, I have to wait six years, 60 years. You're just simply waiting. God, I wait on you. And I think it's good to be reminded that waiting on the Lord is very beneficial and very powerful, but oftentimes so hard. Waiting on God is very beneficial. In Isaiah chapter 40, it says, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. It is a natural benefit of waiting on God that your strength will be renewed. And Jehoiada waited six years before this plan came to play. And remember, they, they are anticipating that there's going to be a battle, that it's going to be difficult, that Athaliah is not going to give up so easily. So he puts all these guards in place, has it all set up so that when it is time to crown him king, even though he's a little kiddo, to crown him king, that he would be protected and finally it says, when everyone's in place in verse 12, he brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, gave him the law, made him king, anointed him, and they all clapped their hands and said, long live the king. You see, God kept his promise once again. There is a king on the throne, one of David's descendants. And this is the value of waiting. Because this was a demonic attack. Truly, it wasn't just trying to have Athaliah sit on the throne as a queen mother, but rather it was a demonic attack, a demonic a scheme to not have a ruler from the lineage of David on the throne. Why? Because the devil knew, and he still knows to this day, now he knows the fulfillment, that Messiah would come through the lineage of David. And so here we see God keeping his promises that one of David's descendants is on the throne of Judah. And I know at times things look horrible. It's not all that you want. It's not all that you expected. And what seems to be God's heart for the matter is not measuring up with your heart on the matter in these difficult times of waiting. We just don't know what God's doing behind the scenes. We just don't see it. We don't feel it. I was just texting with another pastor today of a real difficult situation happening in his church. And, and I just felt like the Lord impressed upon me to say, you know, I know it's, this difficulty is still happening and it even looks worse, but I get this sense that it's getting better. And so it's looking bad to the eyes physically. It seems, oh, another situation, another difficulty. And here I am on the phone again, uh, taking care of something and ministering to him. And so there, it looks bad on the outside, but I just felt like, you know, it's by, by my eyes of faith, it's going to get better. And it is getting better. That these things actually being revealed is a good thing. Because as they're being revealed, truth is being revealed. And it's a good thing for truth to come out in the open. It's a good thing for us to walk in the light as he is in the light. Because then we're going to have fellowship with one another. And we're going to live in the light. We have nothing to hide from one another. And even though with your eyes, you know, and what you're feeling right now, it doesn't look good. It doesn't seem like it's improving. It seems like it's getting worse. I don't know what God is doing. We don't have every answer that we're looking for right now. I mean, six years this lady's on the throne. Six years. 
Six years of rulership of a wicked woman that doesn't belong. She usurped the throne. She's a murderess. And yet, God was working behind the scenes. Even in the waiting, the pain, the problems, the preparation for what's up ahead. It's important in these times of difficulty. It's important when things don't seem to make sense. Where we, can't, we don't have an answer. And we can't explain it. And we're, we're knocked off our, our equilibrium and we can't stand straight. It's important t- in times uh, as, as we come to something that we don't understand and we don't fully grasp, we don't give up the things that we do understand. We just don't throw up our hands and give up on God completely just because of a few things we don't understand. God's ways are not our ways. And so what do we do? We fall back on the things we know don't change, that God loves me, that he's faithful, that even when I'm faithless, he remains faithful. He's promised to never leave me or forsake me. He's promised, as he did in Romans chapter 8, that we know that God is working all things together for the good. We fall back on those truths and we just, it gets us through while we're waiting. We don't just throw away everything that we know for a few things that we don't know. And I just was thinking how difficult it must have been to wait six years while Athaliah was ruling and reigning in this place of God's authority. Six years. And so the circumstances might not change and you're finding it impossible to rejoice and you're finding it impossible to to say, oh, this is so good, Lord, I know you're working, but it's so hard. You know, when you're in a hard situation for a long time, it begins to beat you up and, you know, you just... You're just wondering, what's happened to me? You know, what's happened to my joy? What's happened? Let me show you. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2, would you? Philippians chapter 2. Because things get hard and difficult, of course. Athaliah ruling for six years. It's like, you don't want her to rule for six minutes. But notice, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. This is such a great encouragement to us. One of the greatest evidences of our relationship with Jesus is watching joy be restored in our hearts and lived out in our lives. And he says, Philippians 2.12, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, because God's working in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may become blameless, harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain yes and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith I'm glad and rejoice with you all for this same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. Verse 17 is an easy verse to read. It's a hard verse to live. I'm being poured out right now. I mean, when you pour something out, it's empty. It's gone. You're pouring out like a sacrifice. You're pouring out like a drink offering. But it's, he says, I'm doing, I'm doing it for you. And because I'm doing it for you, I rejoice. And I look forward. I invite you to rejoice with me. I don't always understand why God lets Athaliah's rule for six years. I don't know if you've ever been in that place, but it's, I mean, you may not ever use these words, but you kind of think this, you know, if I was God, I wouldn't do it that way. And we kind of use that. We may never use that phrase, but we use the scriptures that way. Well, you know, I got this scripture and that scripture. I wouldn't do it that way. But, but again, God's ways, not our ways. And he had a purpose in Athaliah, allowing Athaliah to rule for six years. And I don't under, always understand that kind of nonsense. I don't get it. I, I wish I would get to the point where I don't try to understand it. That's where my problem is. So I don't understand, and then I try to figure it out. Let's just let it go. Let the Lord do what he wants to do. 
I allow God to do what he wants to do. I don't always see God working behind the scenes. I don't always get it. But as I go through them, I'm learning to trust God. I believe in whom I haven't seen. And then joy is restored. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's what establishes us. We sometimes think of joy and strength associated with full knowledge. But actually, joy and strength often come when we don't have all the information that we want and that we desire. And that if we were in charge, we'd change it. We'd change it completely. I mean, think about it. One thing you'd, tro- you'd change immediately if you were in charge is you would never put yourself in a trial. You would take any trials that you thought were for you and give them to someone you don't like. That's what you would do. It says, give them to someone I don't like and I'm going to skate through life. But aren't you, aren't you who you are today by the trials you've experienced? Yes or no? And seeing the strength of God in your weakness? Yes or no? And aren't you growing in the image of, aren't you more like Jesus Christ today than you were a couple years ago because of what you've experienced in life? Yes or no? So you aren't God. Just, God sent me here to tell you that today. You're not God, neither am I. And he's working all things together for the good. Oh, don't misunderstand me. It's not free. This isn't the freedom to just go off and sin, you know, because I, that, that thought, you know, is, comes to our minds. Well, man, if God's going to use everything, then I might as well just live for this world. That would be a foolish mistake. You know, Paul would even say, should we sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. You don't have permission. I don't have permission to sin. But we do have permission to remember that God is at work. We do are reminded today that joy is restored through waiting and trusting that God is working all things together, not some things, not most things, but all things. So notice verse 13, back in 2 Kings 11. Now when Athaliah heard the noise of the escorts and the people, she came to the people into the temple of the Lord. And when she looked, there was the king standing by a pillar according to custom, and the leaders and the trumpeters were there by the king, and all the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets, and Athaliah tore her clothes and cried out, Treason! Treason! Okay, so pause here for a second, because I want to point something out to you that that kind of speaks to uh, what you see in your own church, what you see in our fellowship. I want you to notice in verse 12 that at at the time of this king and their rejoicing, what are they doing in verse 12? They're clapping their hands. And then come down here, all the people of the land, they're rejoicing in verse 14. There's music being played. There's trumpets being played. Uh, they're tearing their clothes. They're, uh, and, well, she tore her clothes, but there's a lot of worship going on, a lot of excitement going on. And, and that, like, that, that is something that God wants to instill in you that when, the, when there's a time of, of music and worship that he wants you, it's okay to clap and it's okay to, well, if you want to bring a trumpet and play it, you should probably pass that by Pastor Ian first. But, you know, like if that's your talent, that's your gift, why aren't you on the worship team yet? Like if that's where God has gifted you, then you should be. And then for those of us that can't play instruments, the best instrument that we all play is our mouth. It's our songs unto the Lord. And it's okay to be loud, and it's okay to sing out, and it's okay to clap. You know, a lot of times people get weirded out where at the end of a song somebody's clapping as if we're clapping for, we're clapping for the band or the team up here. That is not what's happening. This isn't a concert. 
The, the clapping is inspired by the words we just sang. It's hard to even just say, man, as you're singing it, I, I find that even when I'm singing it, I'll clap before they're even done because I say amen. That's like an amen. That, that's, a, that's a good thing, you know. You, so, like, clapping is okay. Singing out loud is okay. Raising your hand is okay. Uh, tearing your clothes, you know, that's between you and the Lord. But that's Athaliah doing that. So she's kind of putting on a show right now. and She's not really worshiping God. But you, we, we aren't doing a Bible study on worship right now. But if you look through all of the different places, there are different postures of worship, different ways to worship, different attitudes of worship, different actions of worship. Like it's not just sitting there in a chair or in a pew, just singing, you know, just like going along and hoping it gets, it's over really soon. Like God wants to draw out from you and add to you this element of music because you know as well as I do, music moves you. Music moves a person. God intended music in his creation of music to move a person toward worship. And the world and our culture and even the devil, who some ascribe as being the, the worship leader in heaven before the fall, that worshiping angel that was leading worship in heaven before the fall, that God knew that music would glorify him and honor him. And then after the fall, culture has used music to move people away from God and just fill with all kinds of wicked, crazy lyrics and, and all of that stuff. And it's not, you know, in the beat or in the drums. You know, a lot of, and that was years ago, you know, they were always, they, there were people going, oh, drums are from the devil and oh, guitars are from the devil. And you know, the beat and all, don't get into all that stuff. God uses music, and music should move you. Uh, they put music together. God gifts people to put rhythms and noises and whatever. I don't even know all that stuff, but they, you know, Pastor Ian could do a better job on this. Pastor Jason could, as they know all the intricacies of music. But if you leave here and go, I don't like, I don't think I want to be in a church where music moves me. Seriously? Like, music should move you. You, you should be changed by at least one song in the church that you're attending. At least one. And it should be as exuberant as God would have you to be. And like I say, I don't always know the line for everyone, but I do know that the line in worship, the line in expressing ourselves in a corporate body is not to draw attention to ourselves. So there's some kind of line in your life that you want to be careful not to cross. But it's really between you and the Lord, isn't it? I mean, if you're really drawing attention to yourself in the body... <laughs> we, we'll probably talk to you about it because it'll be noticeable. But I'm, I'm telling you, in the freedom we've had in our church in almost 19 years, the occasions where someone has just flipped out and gone crazy and, and just did all, it was, I could count them on two hands, if that. For the most part of all the many thousands of people we have served over the years, it's been an exciting, wonderful time of different expressions of worship. You know, when you extend, as we talk about freedom today, and we think about freedom in our own country, and it reminds us of the freedoms that we have to worship, and it reminds us of the freedom that there's, there is in, in the Holy Spirit, when freedoms are expressed within a body of Christ, there are always those people that are worried, what will happen if you extend freedom? Man, let the Lord deal with that. Why, why would we want to restrict people? Why would we want to lay a heavy burden on someone? Why would we want to, uh, to have some kind of legalistic rule that everyone has to follow? Instead, let's express freedom and we'll just deal with the exceptions that people don't know how to, how to handle freedom. And it's just really a discipleship moment to teach someone how to handle freedom and what that looks like. 
And, and I, I know that as you open yourself up to express yourself through worship, and even some people are, are uncomfortable in a Bible study atmosphere when I ask for some kind of response, and you're like, I don't know, should I say something? Should I not say something? And, I, and like, yeah, say something. And you know, if you go too far, we'll just say, come on now. You, you're, a, you're amening like every second word I'm saying. Let's not do that, because I just said the and and, and I doubt that that's worthy of an amen. Like, there might be some spiritual truth that just moves you, and, and yet, at some times, we have met people from another church that maybe have been trained to amen every single second, and we're just like, you know, amen has a purpose. It's an affirmation. It's a word of, I agree. And so, you want to save those for those times where you agree with the word, where God just gets you. And a lot of times, I don't know about you, but a lot of times, I amen in my inside. I say it inside. I just, when I'm, you know, whether it's, well, when we're singing, you could say it out loud because nobody's really... You know, it's so loud in here that uh, they're so filled with worship. He's like, amen. And unless, unless he takes it down real quick and then we find out you're singing a different song. <laughs> you're making up the words along the way. But at any rate, freedom is yours. So I just wanted you to see that. Now, now she sees what's happening. She's cries. And of course, you know, this wicked woman is crying treason, treason. And she usurped the throne. Isn't that just like the devil? Just like a liar. That's what happened, man. Just turning it around back on the spiritual ones. Verse 15. Then Jehoiada the priest commanded the captains and the hundreds and the officers in the army, take her outside under guard and slay her with the sword, whoever follows her. For the priest said, do not let her be killed in the house of the Lord. So they seized her. She went by the way of the horse's interest to the king's house, and there she was killed. We've been looking at the Old Testament book of 2 Kings here on Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor. And if you missed any portion, you can simply go online to calvaryaurora.org. Another convenient way to get these daily studies is by signing up to receive the free Abounding Grace podcast. Load the messages onto your mobile device and listen at the gym, in the car, or wherever you go. Just go to calvaryaurora.org or look for Abounding Grace Radio in iTunes. You can also get our app. It's available on all platforms. This is another way to hear our program. Search for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed, as you know, we depend entirely on the Lord to make all of this happen. How can our listeners be praying for Abounding Grace? Larry, we're always encouraged to be joined by people that pray for us, Uh, and so there's a lot of different ways that you can pray for us. First, pray for us as a church family, because Abounding Grace is a ministry outreach of our church here, Calvary Church in Aurora. It takes a large team of people uh, to put the studies together and all the different pieces together, and so collectively, Abounding Grace is a part of our church family. So pray for us, would you? Many, many open doors are available to us, like Paul said, and yet there are many, many adversaries. So pray for us in relationship to our church, and also pray for the funding, um, because, you know, radio is free. It's really cool. You get to turn it on in your car, and it's just there, and, you know, web stream and all of that. But on the back end, uh, it's very expensive. I was listening to another radio broadcast today here on Grace FM, and and they said it's extremely expensive uh, to put the different shows on the air. And it's true. There's production costs. There's airtime costs. There's costs, costs, costs. And we know where God guides. Pastor Chuck Smith taught us where God guides. He's always faithful to provide. So just pray how you might be a part of providing. Pray for the provision. Uh, pray for our church. Pray for me personally, me and my family. 
my wife Marie and the kids, you know, we uh, love Jesus Christ and we're grateful to serve and a lot of spiritual warfare surrounding our family and uh, things that are unspoken, but man, we have been diligently praying for the last six years. So pray, pray, pray for us uh, that the Lord would do the work that only He can do and change hearts. Pray specifically that He would change hearts. And, you know, I could go on and on, Larry, but you know, the program's over. So just, I know that if you, if we're on your mind and you pray for us, God will lead you in your prayers. And for that, we're grateful. Yes, we would be so thankful if you take a moment right now to pray for us. And in return, we'd like to pray for you too. You can send those requests into us by email at prayer at calvaryaurora.org. What is the key that unlocks God's blessings? In a word, grace. That's the emphasis in Chuck Smith's book, Why Grace Changes Everything. In it, he explores the mystery of grace and reveals why we can never grow in grace by our own efforts. It comes from the Lord. We'd like to send you a copy of Why Grace Changes Everything for your gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Please remember, it's through your support that we're able to present this radio program on this station and others like it. Call 877-30-GRACE or make a secure donation online at calvaryaurora.org. If you'd rather write, our mailing address is Abounding Grace, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. We'll return to Second Kings next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado.